Lord. Today, I want to welcome everybody that's at the Eden Campus. Thank y'all for coming today. I want to welcome everybody at the River Campus. Thank y'all for being at the River Campus. We love you there, and we thank God for you. We are so appreciative of the congregation at the River Campus. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. We have a lot of people that watch us all over the country and all over the world, and we thank God for that. And I want to thank everybody that's listening by radio. So today, it's good to be in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Wow, Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, are y'all ready for this? Is only 15 days away. Did you hear that? 15 days away. How many of you are totally ready for Christmas? Anybody? There's something wrong with you. Amen. We got to, listen, I'm telling you, I am not ready. I've got a lot of things I've got to do. And 15 days away, Christmas will be here. You know, I've got a word for that. I can say it one way and then turn around and say it backwards. Wow. It's a big word. Wow, man, I'm telling you, just kind of sneaks up on us. And uh, we are looking forward to the journey to get there. Last Sunday, we started a brand new teaching series here in our church. And it's based off what we talked about in the introduction. And it's simply this. Everybody say it together. It's what? Jesus saves. How many of y'all believe that he saves? Amen? And I want you to take your pen and your paper out, and I want you to write down a couple of things that we talked about just to kind of give us a jumping off place this morning. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Christmas is about God's love. That is, God loved us so much that he gave us his son. Christmas is not about all this stuff that we see the world trying to promote in our life, but rather Christmas is about God's love. Write that down, the love of God. We know that in that moment, God demonstrated his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Who can compare to God that loves us the way that he does? The love of God is an amazing love. Can I get an amen? So Christmas is about the love of God, number one. Number two, write it down. It's about God's timing. Not only is it about God's love, it's about God's timing. The Bible says that in the fulfillment of time, right on time, not a moment too early, not a moment too late, God sent his son into this world. The Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that he came in the world at a designated time that was set by a sovereign father. And we know that because of that, he was born of a virgin, and we know that it was specific, and it was on purpose. And so we realize then that Christmas is about God's love, and it's about God's time. But I want you to write down three other things for me, and that is this. We discovered that because of God's love and because of God's time, that God had a purpose. It's God's purpose. God had a purpose for sending his son uh, into this world. Not only did we realize it was God's purpose, but write this down, it was God's plan. It was not the plan of man, it was the plan of God. So God had a purpose and God had a plan. And then finally, write this down, it was God's provision. God did something for us that we could not do for ourselves in that he provided for us a Savior, a Lamb of God that we know that takes away the sin of the world. And so last Sunday, uh, we started off in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible or you can look on the screen, uh, we're going to look at that scripture this morning. Let's all read it together, out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Let's read it one more time, everybody. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now notice that scripture. Don't put that away. Let's make sure we focus on that today. The Bible says for unto you. That is, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. God gave you a very precious gift, and that is the gift of his Son. For unto you is born this day an appointed time and an appointed season this day in the city of David. Now, we talked about that last Sunday. What is the city of David? Tell me. Bethlehem. That's exactly right. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. We realized that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and we realized that that was an appointed city for the Savior to be born. Now, we realized that in this, in that town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior was born. And the Bible tells us who that Savior was, which is, say it with me, Christ the Lord. Now, when you open your Bible to the book of Luke, and we're going to look in a moment where we're going, but not yet. When you open your Bible to the book of Luke and you begin to journey through the book of Luke, Dr. Luke begins to give us an incredible account of what's going to happen after chapter 2 and verse number 11. When you begin to study your Bible, there is some things that begin to unfold in the book of Luke that is absolutely amazing to me when we look and we begin to study. So are you with me? Say amen. Luke chapter 2, verse number 11, we begin to journey into chapter 3. Jesus begins his earthly ministry. We find that as we journey together in this following Christ, that he's baptized by John at the Jordan River. We realize that after that, he begins to choose his disciples. He begins to call them to follow him. As he begins to do that, he begins his ministry here on this earth. There is an amazing thing that begins to happen when Jesus begins to display his sovereignty among the people there in the region. All of a sudden, Jesus begins to move. He's taking a journey. He, he's journeying, and he, and he goes into what's known as Galilee. Now, when a few years ago... Uh, Denise and myself and Brother Rick and Cindy, we were there to visit the land of Israel. It was a beautiful experience for all of us. There on the Sea of Galilee, an amazing, beautiful picture there. Uh, you go from Galilee, you move on into uh, Jericho, you head from Jericho into uh, Jerusalem. And so Jesus is taking the journey from uh, G Galilee into Jericho. So what does he do? Are you with me? Say amen. He begins to walk, and he's walking with his disciples. And as he begins to walk, there is something that begins to happen in, in his ministry. He sees people that are blind, and he heals the blind. He sees people that are lame, and he makes the lame get up and walk. Dead people are raised to life. All kinds of things are beginning to happen along the journey. People begin to follow him. There are throngs of people that's following him, and they're beginning to talk, and they're saying things like this. Is this the Messiah? Is this the one that we've been waiting for? Could he be the one that's going to rescue us from the rule of the Romans? Is he the one that we've studied all this time uh, according to the, the word of, of the 
of the law? Is he the one that's going to fulfill the law? And people are beginning to chatter and talk about all that. Jesus is raising the dead, healing the lame, making the blind see. Great things are happening. He comes to the city of the, the, the place of the Gadarenes, and there's a demonic there. And he stands there with the demonic, and he casts demons out of the, the man that's possessed with demons. He feeds the 5,000, man. People are impressed with what's going on. So he's making his way, and people are talking, and crowds are gathering, and there are multitudes that are following him, so much so that he, the disciples don't even know what to do with the crowd that's following Jesus, and, and Jesus is making his way, and so he leaves Galilee, and as he is about to leave Galilee in Luke chapter 18, there's something that happens in Galilee that is amazing. Are you with me? Say amen. Here's a guy that's a rich young ruler. And in Luke chapter 18, he runs up to Jesus and he says these words. He says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What have I got to do so that I can be assured that, that I'm going to have this eternal life that, that we hear about? And Jesus looks at him and he says, you know the commandments. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, honor your father and your mother, and et cetera, et cetera. And the rich young ruler looks at him and he says, I've kept all these from my youth. And Jesus says, oh, but there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you got and give it to the poor. The Bible says that the rich young ruler walked away because he had great possessions. And from that moment on, we never hear of this rich young ruler again. In other words, it wasn't that he had great possessions, but great possessions had him. And all of a sudden, his heart was captured with the things of this world, kind of like what we're seeing here. In our world today, people's hearts are being captured by all the materialism and all the things and the things that this world has to offer. And Jesus looks at him and he says, man, you got to go sell all that junk and you got to give it away to the poor. And the Bible says that he walked away because he had great possessions. Things had him. He couldn't let go of it, y'all. He, he, was, he was willing to keep the stuff and forfeit eternity with God. And I see people like that all the time. The Bible, the disciples asked him, and they stopped at Jesus, and they said, Master, who then can be saved? If he, if he can't do it and he's kept all these commandments, who then can be saved? And Jesus is walking. And he walks out of Galilee, and the Bible tells us he's making his way from Galilee to Jericho. And he's going right into the, the, the town of Jericho, and right outside the city of Jericho, there's this blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. And this blind beggar is there, and he can't see anything. He's totally blind. His eyes are darkened. He can't see anything totally blind. And all of a sudden, this blind beggar begins to hear the chatter of the crowd. They're talking, and they're, they're, they're talking about what they saw Jesus do. Did you know he healed the lame? Did you know he raised the dead? Did you know he made the blind see? Did you hear that he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead? Did you hear what he's done? And all these people are talking. Hey, did you understand? Was you there when he cast the demons out of the, out of the demon-possessed man, the demoniac of the Gadarenes? Did you see that? And on top of that, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine that? And this beggar is hearing all this stuff. And he's sitting on the side of the road, and he's begging, he's begging. Jesus is making his way toward Jericho. 
And he's coming, and all of a sudden, this beggar is hearing all this chatter. And he's asking questions. What's the chatter about? What's everybody talking about? They said, haven't you heard this Jesus is coming into Jericho? And he begins to scream. Can you all get all ready for this? He begins to see, scream, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I, I gotta, I, you got to have mercy on me. I, I got to have some help. You're going to have to touch me. And the disciples and everybody's going, shut up, be quiet. You, you can't do that. And, and above the crowd, he begins to raise his voice even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I've heard you've raised the dead. I've heard you, you've healed the lame and you make the blind eyes see. I'm just a beggar and I need you to have some mercy on me. And Jesus stops. And he said, who is that man? Watch this, watch this. And you can hear a pin drop. And all of a sudden, the, the place gets silent. Everybody gets quiet. And, and this is what Jesus says. Are y'all with me? He said, bring him to me. Bring that man to me. Bring that beggar to me. And they brought the beggar to him. And Jesus looked at him and said, what would thou help me to do to you? And he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Receive your sight. And the Bible says, are y'all ready for this? This is so crazy. The Bible says immediately he received his sight. How many of y'all know it don't take God long to do something? Can I get an amen? And all of a sudden the word of God says that this beggar got up and he began to praise God and shout and glorify God. And man, you couldn't shut him up if you'd have wanted to. Wouldn't you like to have church like that someday? Where God just does something and everybody gets happy about what he's doing. And all of a sudden, now we see a beggar that's fallen in line. And he's just praising God. Man, he's shouting glory, hallelujah. And the Bible says that he followed him. So now he goes into Jericho and there's an amazing thing that happens. Are you ready for this? comes to a place. And that's the title today. A place. I read this passage of scripture like a gazillion times. And when I read the passage of scripture a gazillion times, God said, no, you just put that place there. Because I'm going to tell you something. Look at me. God knows how to put you in a place. God knows how to set you up for a place. God knows how to make your life get to a place. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 19, he, he comes to this and the Bible says, now he's left this beggar and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Don't miss that. Make sure you underline that little part that says he passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was a little statue. You remember Zacchaeus, a wee little man was he? The Bible says that he ran before and climbed up into, come on, help me now, into a what? Sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came, come on now, to the place. Underline that in your Bible. He came to the place. You know, I almost want to just have a spiritual fit right here, but I'm going to hold off a minute. Jesus came to, somebody help me, the place. And he looked up and he saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. 
And he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to your house, for as much he also is the son of Abraham. Come on, read verse 10 with me, everybody. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Can I get an amen? When I looked at it together and I began to read that passage of Scripture, Jesus is leaving Galilee and moving toward Jericho. He comes in the city of Jericho. And when he gets in the city of Jericho, he, he's, he's, he's compassed about with a great crowd of people. I mean, there's people everywhere. I mean, good night. He's healed the sick, made the lame walk. He's made the dead be raised to life. He's cast demons out. He's fed 5,000 people. And man, when all that's beginning to happen, people are following him, and, and there's a crowd there. And I want you to notice that Zacchaeus is there. And, and this man named Zacchaeus, the Bible tells us he's a little guy. And, and he's, he's wanting to do something. He says, I've got to get to this place to see who everybody's all excited about. And you know, you know the story climbs up in the sycamore tree. Now, now, the first thing I want you to zero in and watch me, and I'm going to let you out in a minute, so you can watch me a minute. I want you to look at point number one. And that is this, the God moment. Uh, there's a God moment in everybody's life. There, there's a God moment, I believe, that God has orchestrated for all of us. A moment, a moment in our life where time and eternity intersect. A, a time where God has orchestrated things and stuff and, and, and events to bring you to a place where there's a God moment. And I believe that for those of us that know Jesus as our Savior, we could say amen to that. Amen. that. That there was a God moment, a moment where God set us up to meet us. And, and I believe that all of you that know Jesus, could you raise your hand if you had a God moment in your life where, where you, you were at a place and maybe, may, may, maybe you were at a driving down the road and God said, no, this is your moment. I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, Brother Jackie, and this really got, my, this really got me, y'all. Uh, this person said, Brother Jackie, I was in a hotel room. I'd been prostituting myself. And I was, I was on drugs. And, and I had taken drugs, and I was on the floor of a hotel room, a dirty hotel room. And God met me there. It was a place, listen to me, it was a place where I had a God moment. You know, I wish that I could tell all of you that all of our God moments look the same, but they don't. Sometimes it may be at the... Your God moment may be at a place where you are battling the worst battle you've ever fought in your life. And God says, I'm going to make eternity and time intersect right here. And I'm going to meet you at this place. And this is going to be your moment. And this is going to be a moment that, that you're going to have to realize. You, listen, listen to me now. You, you may not be guaranteed another God moment in your life, but this is going to be orchestrated. You may be here today and you're thinking, how did I get here? Why am I here? May, have you ever thought about this? That maybe God's got you here for his moment? 
Have you ever thought about this, that your friend invited you to church today thinking that they just wanted you to come and visit, but all of a sudden now, now that you're here, you know there's something bigger and deeper than just showing up, and all of a sudden God has got you here, and now you know, man, there's something different about this place. God has got me here for a God moment in my life. Watch this. God causes eternity to intersect with time, and he finds you there. Now listen to Brother Jackie. You're not guaranteed another one. The Bible says my spirit shall not always strive with me. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to along the journey of life, and I've been a pastor 36 years, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this over and over and over again. People that have said to me, you know what, Brother Jackie? I was at a place in my life and I heard God speak to my heart and I believe if I had not said yes to him at that moment, he would have never spoken to me again. I believe that God has a way of setting you up for a moment in time. If you'll notice in verse number 1 of chapter 19, it says Jesus entered and he passed through. Jericho. Guess what? He never went back. It was a moment that Jesus entered to a place and passed through that place. I kind of re reflect on it as like this. You remember Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and Nicodemus snuck out to meet Jesus by, by night and, and, and he began to talk to Jesus and Jesus just said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you, you must be born again. Now watch this. This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it listens and no man knows whether it comes or whether it goes. So that's the way the Spirit of God works. And what he was saying, Nicodemus, this is your God moment. My Spirit is dealing with you right now, Nicodemus. But I'm going to tell you, you may not ever have another moment like that. Think about it. Zacchaeus was there. And he had a moment that God had designed from eternity, but the Bible says he passed through. Now let's look at it together and let's study a little bit deeper with this thing and see if we can get some understanding. Who was Zacchaeus? Who was this guy that we're talking about? And I want you to know in Luke 19, verse number 2, this is what it says. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was of the chief among the publicans. And somebody help me. He was what? Rich, rich young looter, looter, ruler in chapter 18. Now we got a rich tax collector in chapter 19. Luke 18, the, the rich young ruler went away, lost, never to be found throughout all the eternity. Now we got chapter 19, another rich guy. What's he going to do? Who is this man? First of all, the Bible says he was a man. We don't have to wonder about that. Verse number 2 tells us there was a man. He was a man. So we know that, that he was just a man like we are. He, there was nothing special about him. The Bible tells us that, that we're just, you know, flesh and bones. There's, uh, we're just people. We're just human beings. So we got a man. We got a man. He was a man. Secondly, he had a good job. Now, it may not have been a good job from the eyes of the people because they hated him. But I'm telling you, he was way up the ladder. 
He was not just a tax collector. He was the chief publican of the tax. In other words, are y'all listening to me? He was the big dog. He was the guy that had all these people working for him to collect taxes. So you know what? He was sitting in the I am it chair. He was the guy. He had a good job. And not only was he a man that had a good job, watch this. Thirdly, he was rich. He was rich. I mean, he had all the things that money could buy. He had more money than he could spend. He, could, uh, he, he had it all going his way. If you looked at prosperity, he, he'd be on the Fortune 500 uh, list. He would, he would have it going on. Man, he had all the money in the world. He had it going his way. There was nothing that he was lacking that, that this world had to offer. He could buy what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted. He could do what he wanted to. He could, he could do all that stuff. He was rich. So we know that we got a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a man, he was, uh, had a good job, and he was rich. But I want you to notice, number three, something in his heart, something in his heart caused him to become, say it with me, desperate to see Jesus. Something in his heart said, money can't buy what's going on here. You know what, you, you probably could spend your money on wine, women, and song, but you're still, there's something in your heart. Something saying to you, you're not okay the way you are. There, there's something missing out of your life. And the Bible tells us in Luke uh, chapter 19 and verse number 3 and 4, it says, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press... Because he was of little statue, and he ran before him and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. So, so we got a guy that has it all going for him. He's a, he's a man. He's a, got a good job. He's got money. He's rich. But, but something, are you listening to me say amen? amen? Something was saying, that's not enough. It's not enough to drive the fancy car. It's not enough to have another house. It's not enough to have more money in the bank account. It's not enough to get more stuff and things. There's something missing in my life. And I believe that I could be accurate by giving you three things that I see with this man. First of all, he had an empty heart. He had a heart. He may have had all the stuff in the world. I can imagine this man laying down his head at night and he was thinking to himself, I still feel like there's something missing. I just, I don't know what it, I can't put my finger on it. I, I just feel like that, that there's more to life than what I'm getting out of it. I feel like that, that, that there's, a, there's, just a, there's just something. I can hear, I can see him lay his head on his pillow at night thinking, man, you know what, I just wasted another day. Man, I got all this junk and stuff and things. But man, I feel like something's missing. Right? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel in your heart like, gosh, something's just missing? And I believe he was like that. And I believe that emptiness of heart made him desperate. And I believe, secondly, he had loneliness of heart. There, there was something about his heart that, that friends that he had, people that he knew, uh, you know what, he was still lonely. He was still lonely in his heart. Did you know you can have all kinds of people around you all the time in your life, and when you lay your head down at night on your pillow, you think, God, I'm lonely. 
I just feel like something's missing. You know why you feel that way? Because God created you for Him. And if you don't have Him in your life, you're going to be lonesome. I don't care how many wives you get or how many husbands you get or how many friends you hang out with. There still comes that moment where you realize, I'm lonesome. I feel like I'm not fulfilled. And then thirdly, an unfulfillment in his heart. I'm sure that he was thinking, God, there's got to be more to life than this. There, there's got to be more to it than just this, what I'm doing. There, I just feel like that, that there's more to my life, but I can't find what it is. And watch this. I believe that, that he hears, he's hearing of all these people, and they're talking about this Jesus is coming into town. And he's thinking, man, I tell you what, if I could just, maybe, maybe he has the answer. Maybe he's the one. Maybe, maybe, and it, watch this now. Uh, the Bible says he's a little guy, and he's a little statue, and I'm sure that as he's walking in the streets of Jericho to, uh, at this moment, I'm sure that people must have recognized him, Brother Randy. If you're trying to push your way and not, listen, I bet you nobody really liked the guy. And so he's saying, excuse me, ma'am. They're going, no, excuse me, excuse me, sir. And they're not making room for him to get to Jesus. So he gets so desperate. Are you listening to me? He sees a tree and he goes, man, if I can just climb that stinking tree and if I can just see him, maybe some of the questions that I've been asking, I'll get answers to. I hear he's got answers. I hear, I hear that he's doing things for people that, that maybe, he, maybe he can help me. Maybe he's the one that I've been looking for. Maybe if I can just get up in a tree where I can see him. You ever been that way? You ever thought, man, if I could just get something else, maybe that will help me? And I want you to notice something that I think is so important. Something caused him to persevere. Something caused him to go uh, in an attempt to see Jesus. Something, something got a hold of him that he said, I got to get up there. I got to get in that tree. Something made him persevere. Now listen to me, church. I, I believe there was something that's very valuable to that. Let's look at 19, 3 and 4. Let's read it again. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press because he was of little statue. And he, everybody read with me. He ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. You know what? I, I look at that and I think about the perseverance. And you know what? You may want to write this down. I see humility. He had to humble himself to climb a tree. I, I mean, here you got a rich guy. Here you got a rich guy. He's got a good job. He's a man. And you got him climbing a tree. You know what I think? I think he had to humble himself to get up in that tree. You know, I think about that Look at me, y'all. I think about that every Sunday when we give an invitation. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not easy to be in a church this size. It's not easy to be in an auditorium like this. And then some preacher is going to preach and invite you to come to the front of the church. And you're thinking, I ain't doing that. You know, it's, it's awkward. But have you ever thought about this guy who had to climb a tree just to see Jesus? You know what it means? Watch this. You know why we do that? Because I believe that there's value in humility. 
I believe there's something special about when God speaks to you in a church service like this in front of hundreds of people. And you go, you know what? I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I've got to get to him. I've got to go down there. I was out there in the hall this morning at the, at, at, out in the front of the church, and we've got this big board with all these people that uh, their, their pictures on that board. And uh, I was looking at all of it. Man, we, we're just a blessed church. We've got hundreds of people that have walked down this aisle and gave their heart to Jesus. And I say, praise the Lord for that. Can I get an amen? And it means something to us. But you know what? In order to do that, you've got to humble yourself. And he was so desperate that he persevered. He goes, i got to get to Jesus. Now watch this. This is so good. The next point's powerful to me. The place. You know, God will do whatever he's got to do to get you to the place. It doesn't matter who you are. God has got a place that he's going to meet you at. And when you get to that place, you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide what are you going to do. In Luke 19, verse number 5 and 6, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. And he made haste, and he what? Came down, and what did he do, everybody? He received him joyfully. Uh, the place. You ever thought about your place to meet God? You ever thought about your place? Maybe it's, uh, maybe, it's a pla maybe it's at a broken marriage. Maybe it's when you're diagnosed with a disease and you can't do nothing about it and God goes, you know what, this is your place. Maybe it's when you're at the end of your rope and you don't know where else to go and God goes, oh, that's the place. Maybe it's when your son and daughter is going absolutely crazy and you don't know what to do with them. And God's going, you know what, I, I know you don't know what to do with them, but that's caused you to come to this place. God always has a way of setting you up to get you to a place. And there's four things about that place that I see. First of all, everybody has a place. God's got a place to meet everybody. It may be at the, at the deepest, darkest hole you've ever been at. And God will say, this is the place I want to meet you. It, it may be in the valley deep. It may be on the mountain high. It, it may be in the river wide. It does, I don't know where your place is, but I do know this. Everybody has a place. God has designed a place for you and for him to meet. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Jesus saw him. Can you imagine this, y'all? Jesus is walking through and he comes to a, y'all better help me, a place. The Bible says he looked up and he saw him. Look at me, look at me. God sees you too. God sees you in that place. Your, 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 your place does not obstruct his view. He sees you where you are. He sees you in the pain. He sees you in the broken heart. 
He sees you when you want to run away from everybody. You don't want to be around nobody. He sees you when you're laying in, in your bed at night on your pillow and you're feeling like, Dad, gum, and I feel like I'm alone. God sees you there. He knows exactly what place you're in. And I want you to write down the third thing, which is so powerful. He called him by name. You know, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, look at, look at me. Has God ever called you by name? Have you ever felt like you was in a place and there's a lot of people around you? And you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has picked you out of all these people and he's speaking directly to you. He says things to you like, Joe, Joe, you're not okay where you was. And he finds him in a place and calls him by his name. Ken, he calls you. Charity called you. He called, he called you, Donna. Ren, he called you. He does things like this. Bob, I know where you are. Sue, I understand, I know where you are. Mary, I know you're hurting. I, I know, know where you are. Tom, I know, I know what's going on. God calls you by your name. And he picks you out of, he picks you out of hundreds, of, there's hundreds of people around Jesus. There's all kinds of people there. And Jesus comes to a place, looks up and says, Zacchaeus. That's how God does it. He calls you. And he deals with you on an individual level. And the fourth thing is, he calls him by name, and Jesus asked him, will you come down from that tree and meet me? Will you come down? Will you get out of that tree and meet me? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that moment when, when Jesus says, hey, I want you to get out of the tree and come down here and, and meet me? It's kind of like an invitation in a church. Like, I want you to get out of the balcony. I want you to come to me. I want you to get out of the seat. I want you to come to me. And Jesus says, will you do that? Will you get out of that tree? Now, remember this. Jesus did not get him out of the tree. He had to get out of the tree on his own. He had to make the decision, I'm going to come down there where you are. I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to make that decision to do that. And verse number 6, when you look there together, it says he made haste to do that, and he came down and he received him joyfully. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. You come, to, you come to him just the way you are. And notice this. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, you've got to change this. You've got to stop that. You're not, you know, you've got to do all this. He just said, Zacchaeus, won't you come down here with me? And then they said, you know what? He's hanging out with sinners. That's why he came to this earth. To meet stinking sinners. And I looked at it together and I noticed the next point, which I think is so powerful. What is a true salvation experience? 
What is it like when you really get, when God gets a hold of you? What is that? What is a true salvation experience? I believe a true salvation experience is going to have three things in it. First of all, I believe you're going to recognize you're a sinner. You know, you, you, you sit there and you look at your life and you go, man, I can't save myself. I recognize I'm a sinner. Look at what it says in verse number 7. It says, when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he's going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Guess what? That's what we all are. You know what? Look at me, look at me, look at me. There ain't nobody in here better than nobody else. There ain't anybody here that's scoring high on the card with God more than anybody else. Look at me, look at me, look at me. We all got a failing grade. We're all sinners. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. A lot of times people look down on sinners. You know, I, I want to say this to you. I'm so thankful Eden Westside is the church it is. Because it doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or you're in the gutter broke. We accept you just the way you are. Because we've recognized something at Eden Westside. We're all sinners. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody, nobody's got anything on, on anybody else. We're all the same. Whether you're a prostitute, a harlot, whether you're a drunk, whether you're a drug addict, doesn't matter where you are in life, I want to stand on this stage and tell you that God loves you. And that just because you're a sinner, that doesn't make it a bad thing. You qualify to meet him. Because that's what Zacchaeus was. He was a sinner like us. The second thing that you got to be repentant. You know, it's amazing to me how many people say, well, I got saved, but they never their life never changed. Look at me, that's hogwash. When God saves you, he changes you. You're not the same no more. You're not who you used to be. Does that mean life's going to be easy? No. But what it does mean is God changes you. You remember Luke 18, the rich young ruler came to Jesus. What must I do, master, to inherit eternal life? Well, go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Now, Jesus knew that selling stuff and giving it to the poor wasn't what it took to get salvation. But he knew there was something in his heart other than Jesus. Luke 19, here we got Zacchaeus that says, man, I'm going to give it all away. I'm going to give half what I got to, to the needy. And if I've cheated anybody, if I've stole from anybody, I'm going to give them four times what I stole from them. You know what that is? A changed life. Jesus will change your life. That's what happens when you get saved. You get a changed life. Everything about you is different. You're not who you used to be. 
The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God changes you. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Matter of fact, it's probably going to get harder. Because once you get saved, you're going against the grain of the world. You're not going with it. That's why you need a church. That's why you need a family. That's why you need to pray and read your Bible. Verse number 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said to him, This day salvation has come to your house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. One man walks away. Luke 18. One man is saved and born again, and God changes his life. One man's stuff had him. Another man, Jesus got him. And I want you to think with me for just a minute in closing, and that is this. The next point is so powerful. This same Jesus, this same Jesus is still seeking and saving lost people. He's still doing that. The same Jesus is still doing what he did in Jericho. He's saving lost people. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your life can be changed today. The book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10 says, read it out loud with me, everybody. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You ever thought, you ever thought about this? That God brought you to a place to change your life? That there's a moment in your life where God says, eternity and time is going to intersect right here. And I've designated this to be your, your place. Your place where your life can be changed. And I'm going to give you the bottom line. It goes like this. Today, you're the right person. At the right moment, in the right place, to experience the right salvation offered by the right Savior. Can I get an amen? Let's read that bottom line together, everybody. Today, you're the right person, at the right moment, in the right place, to experience the right salvation offered by a right Savior. You know what? That's what God does. He is the right Savior. This is the right moment for your life to be changed. Now listen to me. In just a moment, we're going to do something a little different. We did it in the first service, and it was amazing to me. You're not going to stand. You're just going to sit today. And I'm going to invite our ministers to come and stand at the altar in just a moment. And I'm going to invite you to bow your head all over this auditorium. And I'm going to ask you that if you're here today and God's been speaking to you, and you feel like, you know what, Brother Jackie? It is the right place. And it's the right moment 
for me to accept the right Savior. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be hard for you. I'm going to ask you to stand up, come down to this altar, and speak to one of our ministers. Your life can change forever today. But you're going to have to be the one. Remember Zacchaeus? I want you to come down. The Bible says he made haste and he came down out of the sycamore tree. I'm asking you that if you want a personal relationship with Jesus and you want Christ in your heart, I'm asking you to come down. And I'm asking you to make haste. not going to beg you. I'm asking you to make haste and come down and receive Christ joyfully. Maybe you're here today and you want to be a member of Eden Westside. And you've been praying about it and you'd like to make this your church home. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to come and tell one of these ministers, I want to be a part of this church. Or maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and say, God, you know, I just need to talk to you for a minute. So our ministers are going to come right now. And I'm just going to ask you if you would to bow your head. And if you want to come, you just stand up and come. If you're in the middle of the aisle, just say, excuse me. They'll move out of your way. And you just let God speak to you. This is a God moment between you and God. So you come if you'd like to come. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment.